we are on our way, week three of the Circling the Sun series, and we are now 17 days into our journey around the sun together. And to give a little bit of perspective, we're going to keep on going back to Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. And so if you are able this morning, would you stand and read this with me to honor God's word to us this morning? Um, Maybe you know it by heart by now. Um, Let's read it together. On three. Three, two, one. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's read it one more time. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, we know that there's an invitation on the table this morning, and we're just going to say yes to that right now. We want to hear from you. Speak to us, interrupt um, our space this morning, and do what only um, you can do this morning. Um, Break in. We want to hear from you. Amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. So, in this series, um, we're working on ways to awaken you to God's best for you, to your best life. And we've been talking about this, if you've been with us, um, uh, and if, if not, it's okay, but we're, we're traveling at 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. That's the speed that we're orbiting um, the sun right now, and we're already on this journey. And when we think about our anchor verse, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The question that is on the table this morning, I wrote a few of them down for you on the backside of, of your bulletin. Um, there's There's some notes and some fill in the blanks if you want to follow along. But these are the questions, kind of the big questions that we're asking this morning. What do we want to realize on this trip? That's the big overarching question. In other words, what would you like to be true of your life at the end of this journey that's not necessarily true of your life today? What kinds of things... Would you like to see improved? What kind of changes would you like to make? What sort of dreams would you want to realize in and through your life? So I believe this morning that the one that God wants to push kind of right up to the top of that list for all of us this morning is this, that on your journey of 2021, on this trip around the sun, that we would gain a closer walk with Jesus. Now you're saying, you're thinking about that this morning, that probably doesn't mean much coming from, you know, me, pastor, you know, pastor Sean, you have to say that. So let's read it from the mouth of Jesus. This is, this is what he says in John's gospel, chapter 17. He says, eternal life. Okay. He's, he's going to define what eternal life is from his perspective. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. He's talking to father God it means to ex- know and experience you, father God. And to know and experience Jesus, talking about himself as the son that you've sent. Okay? So those are the words of Jesus. So, so what is he amplifying there? If, if you want to think about heaven and the afterlife and eternity and the great big kingdom plan, he says, I can boil that down for you into something that people can really understand. Eternal life isn't streets of gold necessarily. Eternal life is that they would know the one true God. And know Jesus whom he had sent. So the word when Jesus was speaking this for no in the original language, check this out. And what he says here, when he says to know, it's not just to give a mental nod to an idea. It's to intimately come into connection with the reality. Intimate connection with the reality. And so what he's saying is eternal life isn't just believing in heaven. Eternal life is coming to have a relationship and it, and it, intimately come into a connection with the reality of a relationship with an almighty God. Doesn't that a little bit broaden our perspective of what eternal life is this morning? And I believe for all of us on this journey, we can certainly get a long way down that road in that relationship as we take this journey around the sun. Amen? And so this is God's highest value for you. Can I say that again? God's highest value for you in 2021 is for you to have a closer walk with him. Yes, you know, go for the good grades this year. Um, If you're a student, you know, that's very honorable. You know, grab on to that new responsibility, get to your next level in job training, if that's your thing, if that's where you're at right now. You know, maybe it's finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright, someone, you know, who loves and serves God. I know that's at the top of the list for some of us this morning. But at the top of the list... On God's agenda for our journey this year, he says, I want you to have a closer walk with me. That's what's on the top of my list for you. 
And so we, we don't see this any more clear than we do in Genesis chapter five. And you know, if you have your Bible, I would, I would encourage you to, to dig it out this morning. And, and maybe, maybe the, the pages for chapter five and six and seven are still stuck together because I know a lot of us aren't really digging down or dialing down into the genealogies of Genesis to really find our rhythm for our spiritual growth. But chapter five is an amazing snapshot into the heart of God for your life and my life. And um, for those of you that have been around Destiny for a long, long, long time, you know, when, back when we were on Elk Street, you would remember um, our very first um, uh, audio recording, our worship recording that we did here at Destiny was called the Enoch Project. And it was based on this chapter right here. And so... We've got 10 generations coming um, from here, uh, from the first man, Adam, all the way down to Noah. That's what's happening in this chapter. So the generations, just to kind of give us a broad picture to save, to save us from reading the whole chapter, are Adam, his son Seth, who was the father of Enosh, and then Canaan, and then Mahalalel, and then Jared, and then Enoch, and then Methuselah, and then Lamech, who is the father of Noah. And then Noah... And you get that whole span and, and how it unfolds in Genesis chapter 5. That's, that's kind of the broad picture, the overlooking view of chapter 5. Now I want to help us dial down into this a little bit. And then we're going to jump to the middle and see what it's all about. Now it says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Now starting there, that's a powerful, powerful kind of bedrock foundational statement for the message this morning. When God created us... When God created us, he created us in the likeness of him. Why? Because it was his heart and his intention that we would walk with him. So it makes sense that we were made in his likeness, so we could walk more closely with him. And that's still his heartbeat even to this day. So as we're on this journey, it says he created them. It says male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and he named them man. And when they were created, and when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. So now the whole chapter kind of reads just like that. So I want to jump down, and let's go to the middle, uh, to verse 15. And it says, when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Now, check the ages of these people. If we go through and look at the whole chapter, it says Adam, he's 930 years. Seth, 912 years. Enosh, 905, he wasn't even working out, you know, 905 years. Canaan, 910. Mahalalel, 895 years. Jared, it says 962. Enoch, 365, so that was a life cut short right there. Methuselah, 969 years. Lamech, man, he hit the jackpot, he was 777. <laughs> and Noah, he lived to be 950 years. And then as you read along their story, it says, you know, this is what it says, they had a son, and that was kind of the, that was the, kind of the cultural um, sort of high watermark in that day and age that I had a firstborn son. And so that's what we get highlighted in this chapter. We get the names of the firstborn sons. And so, and then they had other sons and daughters, it'll say a lot of times as we read this. And then and the natural conclusion is, and then they died. That's how it ends. And so, you know, and listen, if you were like Mahalalel, for instance, and altogether you lived 895 years, the next thing they should say about you is, you know, and then he died. And nobody's coming to that memorial service and saying, man, I'm telling you, it's a real heartbreaker. No, it's like, congratulations, man, you have 895 years. That's a great life. But then look, I want us to focus in. It goes on and it unpacks the next generation. And I want us to look at verse 18. It says, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he had fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Now, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then, say it with me all together if you're following, I want you to say it. Enoch walked with God, comma, and he was not, for God took him. 
Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In the span of these 10 generations that this chapter is kind of painting a picture of for us, these 10 generations of people that God moved through and he used, every single one of them from Adam to Noah, all of a sudden what happens here is it's like God is taking out his highlighter, if you will, and he underlines for all of us a scripture in this text, and he kind of says, you know, where it'd be common for us to say about life, you know, he or she, you know, had lived this number of years, and they had offspring, and they you know, did these accomplishments and they achieved, you know, these great things. And then they lived a little bit longer after that. And then they died. And that story repeats and it repeats and it repeats. And we see that it repeats. And he says, I want you to know that there's another way. And the other way is this, that the capstone, that the epitaph, that the headstone of your life could read, and she walked with God. And she walked with God. It's God underlining a verse for us and saying, do you see the difference here? Enoch walked with God. And to that, we ought to say this morning, he did what? <laughs> and, and then you know, more than that, he, he went away with God. He said he was taken. And so now that the, the text isn't, isn't saying that, you know, if you really beef up, you know, your devotional life in the, the next few days, you know, as we finish off our 21 days of, of fasting and prayer, that God may squeeze you a little bit too hard one morning in your quiet time and just take you right into his presence. Uh, you know, but, but what the text is saying is that God is giving a five-star rating to Enoch's life. So if you look him up on the Yelp of Old Testament leaders and, and people who've lived on this planet Earth, God comments, and he's basically saying here, I give this one a five-star rating. I'm going to highlight this in his life. Why? Because he walked with me. He walked with me. And we also see the other implication, which is this, that God's goal for our lives isn't just the number of days that we spend on the earth. That's not it. It's that we spend the days that we have on planet earth walking in relationship with the God of the universe. This is God's goal for your trip around the sun, and this is God's goal for your life. And so at some point in your life, God is, is gonna call you home, and when he does that, I hope the people around you don't shed more tears than they do celebrate that this person, he or she, whatever age they were, they walked with God. They walked with God. This is what it's all about, and that possibility, it's not just an Enoch kind of thing. I believe that the invitation is on the table this morning for you, and the invitation is on the table this morning for God to say, come and walk with me. It's there. We, we may be small. We, we talked about that last week, if you're here. We, we may be tiny in the grand scheme of the universe, but we are amazingly small, and we are prized and sought after by majesty. To the degree that God set in motion a rescue mission of love, God didn't just leave the door to heaven unlocked and send a text and say, hey, let me know when you get here. <laughs> That's not him. But he came all the way down to planet Earth with an invitation for you and an invitation for me to come and to walk beside him every day of our life, to come and walk with him. God Almighty came walking on planet Earth to invite you and to invite me to come and walk with him. Jesus came walking in Galilee, but that wasn't the first time because God had walked on the earth all the way back in Genesis. You know, if we go back to that story, it says that when God created Adam and Eve, what was he doing? That he was walking in the garden, right? He was walking because it wouldn't have been paradise unless God was walking in it, right? You can have all the, all the stuff. It wouldn't be paradise if, it, if, if, if you were perfect and you were naked and you were unashamed with the woman of your dreams, it wouldn't be perfect, you know, if you were the ruler of the earth at the given time and you were given stewardship to name all of the animals and to run God's creation it's, it, and to have a mission like that. None of that would have been perfection. Only God walking in the garden with you would have made it that, right? Why? Why, 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 why? Because they were made in the likeness of God. So you can build whatever you wanna build on planet Earth, but it's not gonna satisfy a heart that was made to walk with the living God. That's what we were made for. That's what we were created for. It says that when God created Adam and Eve, they walked in that garden. But you know, it wasn't perfection until he walked in it with them. So God comes walking in the garden 
But that, that, that goes all wrong because of our foolishness. And so now here he is, he's walking in Galilee. And the last time we see him walking, he's walking in another garden, right? From one garden to another. But in that garden, the stone was rolled away by the power of God and Jesus was alive from the dead. Why? So that you and I could walk with Almighty God. So that you and I could walk with him. And so I love this. In, in 2016, not too many years ago, 2016 in, in Magdala over in the country of Israel, think about this. A bulldozer was, was you know, spreading, uh, put, laying out some land, working on a building and, and getting ready to, the, to build a hotel and conference center. And this happens all the time over in Israel. They're working to build something and they hit something kind of hard and um, they stopped and they dug down and they, they looked around. They said, oh my goodness, something is here. And so it becomes um, an archeological dig and they discovered a first century synagogue in Magdala and it looks something like this right here. Got a picture of it. Um, maybe not too exciting for us to look at now, but this is, this is what's left. And so what's the big deal? When, when they discovered this, this is in Magdala. Do, do you remember the, the, the woman who reached out to touch the tassel of Jesus' garment. That would have been uh, somewhere between here and the edge of the Sea of Galilee, which comes very near this site, so not a lot of space between there. And so this synagogue, this would have been a place where Jesus walked. And when we look a little bit more closely, let's look at the, you can see the, the mosaic tile. That would have been a place where Jesus' sandals and his feet would have walked. And we pull back out and look at the picture again. You, you, see the, you can see the little pieces of the mosaic at the bottom. That goes all the way around in that rectangle there. And so, you know, there's no doubt to the, to the minds that the archaeologists that found this to the date of this synagogue and, and of this floor to the first century time of Jesus. And so there is no mistaking to many of those uh, minds that the son of almighty God, Jesus, who spoke the cosmos into existence, walked right there. And so that's pretty cool to think about and see that God came walking on the earth so that you could walk on the earth with him. So that you could walk with God. So we've put men on the moon. We've been talking about, you know, the planets and the cosmos. That's what this series has been about. We, we put men on the moon. In fact, there's no wind on the surface of the moon, so our footprints are still there. They're still there. And that's pretty ridiculous, you know, when you stop and think about it. But it's not as incredibly wonderful as the fact that Jesus came walking on the earth. And that's a game-changing reality. I, I want you to see it from the perspective of somebody that's actually walked on the moon. Um, I love how astronaut Jim Irwin, he said it. I want to read you this quote right here. It says, being on the moon had a profound spiritual impact upon my life. I don't know if you've heard this before. This is awesome. He says, before I entered space for the Apollo 15 mission in July of 1971, I was a lukewarm Christian to say the least. I was even a silent Christian. But I felt the Lord sent me to the moon so that I could return to earth and share his son, Jesus Christ. The entire, listen to this. The entire space achievement is put in proper perspective when one realizes that God walking on this earth is more important than man walking on the moon. You know what that is? That's Psalm 90 verse 12 in context. Because when you orbit around the earth in a lunar orbiter, and when you land on the moon in that lunar module, and you walk on the moon and you look at birth, you count the number of your days and you gain a heart of wisdom. <laughs> That's what that is right there. Now, we have, you have the option of throwing all of that to the wind and saying, you know what, it's basically a game of chance. Or you have the opportunity to have your eyes and your mind and your heart open and say, how can it be that the God of the heavens, of the cosmos, came walking on the earth? But he didn't just come walking on the earth because the imitation was more costly than that. He went to Calvary, and when he bore those nails, he paid for your invitation, whoever you are, to come and walk with the holy God. I, I was just thinking back to some of the invitations that I've received over the years. And of course, one of my favorite ones is when Deanna and I received the invitation to come and be youth pastors here at Destiny with uh, our founding pastors, Brett and Tana Parker. And they founded this church in 1998. And um, in 
we, we, so we go a ways back, and um, I knew him when I was a, a scrawny, skinny 15-year-old, <laughs> maybe younger. I was a twig back then. And um, some of you have heard the story, some of you haven't. But you can see God's hand all over that invitation. We had met at a, at a winter faith festival where both of us were musicians and we were playing at the event. I was playing the congas, I was playing percussion and he did a special that weekend. And anyways, we were both coming from different cities. And um, after we had both you know, kind of seen each other play, um, the speaker that week asked all the teenagers to come up front and so I went up front, and, and then they challenged some adults in the room to come up and stand behind us and to pray and fast a meal a week for the teenagers that were standing there. And Pastor Brent um, came up and stood behind me. And he um, committed to praying and fasting, I think it was uh, every Friday, a, a meal uh, for me. And I remember my mom pulling a picture out of her purse and giving it, handing it to Brent. And um, I'm remember seeing that picture on their fridge every time I'd go over to their house here in Rapid City. And I'm told that it's still on their fridge over there in Sioux Falls now. Um, he's, he's been praying for me as long as I can remember. And so my family ended up moving to Pier um, through a promotion for, for dad's job, which is where we ended up connecting again. Brent uh, was the worship pastor at the church that we attended there. Um, and during that time, that's when I met and fell in love with Deanna, high school sweethearts. And then... God called Brent and Tana to Rapid City, and I was so mad at God for that. <laughs> and I was so mad at them for listening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would just, just God, I was, I, was, I was on Pastor Brent's worship team there, and I was enjoying that. Didn't want them to go, but they did. And guess what they did? They went and planted Destiny Foursquare Church here in Rapid City. And a few years down the road, um, I had gone to Bible college to get some training. Deanna and I got married. Brent uh, had co-officiated and sang at our wedding. And Deanna and I um, you know, went back to that same church in Pierre after Bible college. And we started doing youth ministry there. And that lead pastor that was there ended up going to the, uh, getting a call to the mission field. And so all of a sudden, you know, that was happening. And lo and behold, right at that time, Brent and Tana um, had, had, had already had a couple youth pastors. They were, they were hiring. And we found out that they were hiring. And, and so we accepted the invitation. We came and we served as youth pastors here for uh, nine plus years. And then God started talking to us about leaving Rapid City. And so I think it was Brent and Tana's turn to be mad at God, at least for a little bit then, and maybe at us for listening to him. <laughs> and we had a teary-eyed goodbye, and we went on an eight-year journey until January of 2018 when we received another call and another invitation to this time come back to Destiny as the lead pastors. And so those are the kinds of invitations that mean something, right? Those are life-changing invitations. Those, those are not the type of invitations that you get in the mail, you know, for, you know, maybe Cousin Susie's wedding shower that you just throw in the pile with all the other, other invitations that you receive over the summer, right? That's, that's, a, that's an invitation that you want to hold on to. Those are something that, that means something. And I've had invitations, you know, over the years to, to, to open up and play with some pretty cool um, bands, and some of them were childhood heroes of mine. I love to tell this story. This one, I got to say thank you to Brent, too. Uh, this specific one, because I was drumming and backing up for him for a show um, in Spearfish, where we opened up for, some of you guys will know these names, Phil Keggy and Brian Duncan, and the one that meant a lot to me was a guy by the name of Randy Stonehill. Now, I, I, I realize that I, probably a minority of you know those names, but to me, they were icons, especially uh, Uncle Randy, as I called him. And I, and, I, and I had his albums memorized growing up, and now, you know, here I am, I, I felt like this. I, I get to sit in the green room, you know, and have conversation with them before the concert. And the concert wasn't, you know, highly attended. I, Bill was there, Matt was, you know, there, a few, a few uh, faces I can see, you know, that were there that night. But to me, that meant the world. I mean, Randy, he's known as, you know, one of the 
grandfathers of Christian rock music, and Phil Kegney's recognized as one of the you know, top guitar players in the world. I remember how Barry Edwards just kind of sat there all googly-eyed, and we were just, we were just sitting there. It was just a special moment for me that night, and, and I had the chance to write my name. This was another special moment on the green room wall, which was a thing at that venue, right next to one of my heroes. My name is the one in orange there, right next to Randy Stonehill, and at the end of that evening, I, I got to have a walk. I got to just Randy Stonehill and me. And, and we went out to his vehicle, and I was carrying one of his guitars. And I'm not going to even share what we talked about, but that was, that was my moment. But, but it, it meant the world to me to get that invitation that, you know, Brent asked us guys to, to play and, and be there that night. I mean, it, it meant the world to me because he's, Randy Stoney was one of my heroes at the time. And so somehow... You know, over, over the period of, of years, you know, you, you've received these kinds of invitations too. An invitation that you don't want to say no to. I got, the, I got to sit on the district staff of the Four Square Denomination, and you know how that happened? I got an invitation to come out to California one time because I was making some noise about how we can do better as a movement to resource and network our next-gen pastors. And so the invitation turned into a phone call um, uh, from our district supervisor to join the leadership team. And through the course of those eight years, I got to meet some amazing leaders and I was invited to some, you know, presidential dinners and over to the vice president's house. And I mean, just some really, really cool experiences that I'm still scratching my head over. How in the world did I end up there? How did all this happen? It happened through an invitation. It happened through an open door, through an invitation. And you're like, well, okay, I've never met, you know, those kind of people or, you know, I've never sat in the green room with a rock star or whatever. But here's the thing this morning. You have met somebody. And I'm telling you this morning, don't let it get lost in this conversation that the same God who spoke the world into existence, he's calling out to me and to you this morning. And he's saying, I've got an invitation for you, and would you come? The normal answers that we give to this invitation, we, we have, we, we've got these answers down pat sometimes, and we'll, we'll say things like, wow, that's awesome, but I'm in a really busy season right now. Uh, you know, things are crazy. I'm swamped. It's, it's, it's just more than I can handle. I'm still kind of recovering from 2020, you know, and, and honestly, 2021 seems to be off in kind of a rocky start. <laughs> This is the busy season. Uh, a second normal response that we have is, well, you, you must not be talking to me because, you know, I, I can't even fathom that anyone would want me to come and walk with them because no one's ever wanted to come and walk, you know, with me anywhere before. Uh, a third natural response is this one. Nah, I'm good. It's kind of like the gentleman's response when the wife says, would you like me to put the directions into Google Maps? And he's like, nah, I'm good. Until we get, you know, two hours down the road and we need the directions to where we're going, right? But we say that too to the God of heaven. We say that, no, I'm good. I can see right where I'm going right now. Thanks. Or I think a fourth natural response is I've got my crew. I, f I feel good about life because I've got my people. And I can, you know, get with them anytime and say, let's go do this and let's go do that. And let's go do this together. And let's get this thing. Let's go see this. Let's whatever. And that's what I think about when I think about me going through life. I don't necessarily think about walking with God. I'm just happy that I've got these four or these three people and we're a tight crew. And that's where I'm going, getting my confidence from. And so that's where I'm getting my sense of self. And so I'm good. And that's not unlike the way people have been all through time. Jesus was talking about himself, but he used a parable to teach this in the Gospels. In Luke, 7, Luke 14, um, many of you are familiar with this. He said, a, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell all who had been invited, come. Can we say that together? Come. For everything is now ready. Now, this is a heaven context in this story. This is an eternal life context. But can I just ask what we, again, what we learned earlier this morning from the first scripture that we read? What is eternal life? That they may know you, right? That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So the invitation isn't to show up at a place here in this story. The invitation is to enter into a relationship with a person. 
okay? And so he says, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it, so please excuse me. Now this guy had to have more money than I do because I can't just go out and buy a field that I've never seen before. So this guy, right, he's, he's set up. What did he need with an invitation? He, he, he apparently had everything and it was, it was going his way. Another, he said, I've just bought five yoke of box and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I'm sorry I can't come to the great feast. I've got to try out some oxen. I mean, that sounds like a lame excuse to me. <laughs> Another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Amazingly, people over time have been saying to the God of the universe, thanks for the invite, but I'm not going to be able to make it. And I know that God is saying this morning, if I could do one thing in this gathering, it would be to convince everybody here how much I want to walk with them. And how much I want them to come and walk with me. The invitation is on the table. See, God's not just looking at a room full of people this morning, but he's looking at you and he's inviting you. He knows you. Scripture says he knows the hair's on your head. They're numbered. He knows everything about you. And what he wants you to understand most this morning is that on this trip that we're taking around the sun, he wants to walk with you. And so the scriptures tell us this. So, you know, he sees the universe. He's the God of the cosmos. He threw it all out into the sky, right? And so he sees the galaxies, but he sees more than that this morning. God's not just, you know, kind of stuck in universes, galaxies away. He's not stuck in a galaxy. He can see the Milky Way, all 200 plus billions of stars that we've been able to map with our finite abilities and, and science. But you know, all, all, all I can see down there, it, it, he can see down there in, the, in that mess of 200 billion stars and he can see our star, the star that's, you know, that we call the sun. And I know that star, and I, I can, he can see around that this morning, and um, orbiting that, that miraculous little pale blue dot that we talked about last week, suspended in a sunbeam, that beautiful gift called Earth, and I see that. And God from the heavens can see the whole universe, but he can also see Earth. And so I want you to kind of watch this and just get you know, maybe a God perspective a little bit of, of, you know, how vast and how big he is and how he can see us. So he can look at the nations and he can see North America and Central America and South America. And, and he certainly can see everything in a glance. I mean, isn't that amazing just to begin with? He can see it all. And he's not constricted like we are. And so he sees it all in a glance. But obviously, you know, he knows that, you know, the capital of all that is good in the world is right here in South Dakota. So he's gonna, we're going to zoom in on the Southlands. And, um, you know, he, so he knows what's happening in our state. He knows, he knows um, our culture. And, I mean, isn't that he knows... Uh, right here in South Dakota, he's dialed into where we are this morning and he sees our world and he understands who we are. And then even beyond that, he knows our neighborhood. So we can go, he can zoom right into Rapid City this morning and he knows that we're gathered here together in this place this morning at Destiny. He says, I can get down into your world and I know that right there is a place where my people are gathered. That street, 1001 East Philadelphia Street, we're actually in 927 in, this, in the building that we're in right now. That, that right there is where my people are gathered. And that's not the end of the story this morning. Because no, God sees you as you go throughout the day. And he says, Mary, I see you this morning. And I see that person sitting behind you with $14 cash in his wallet. And I know his name and I know the plans and the purposes that I have for him. And I know what's on his heart this morning. I know the places that he's broken. And I know the places that I can take and I can fix those places that are broken. I know you wearing the plaid shirt this morning. And I know what's in your pocket. And I know what you're going to do, what your plans are for when you walk out those doors. But I have plans for you too. And I want to walk with you. I know you, calling you by your name this morning, Bev, I know you, and I know the plans that I have for you. 
And I know the purposes that I have for you and I wanna walk with you. And I don't know if you heard, but there's an invitation on the table and I am inviting you to come and walk with me. You could say, uh, can't you see that I'm a little busy right now? You, you could say, you know, I can't believe that you would want to walk with me. You could say, nah, I'm good. I don't need any help right now. I think I've, I've got a pretty good handle on where I'm at and where I'm going. You could say, I've already got my crew. I'm good. You could say any number of things to him, but I'm praying this morning and God is hoping this morning that instead of all that, you will say the most powerful reward that can change everything about this trip around the sun, that you will say this morning one word to almighty God. If the invitation is on the table to come and walk with you, I say yes to that invitation. I will come and walk with you. Notice he didn't say, the invitation's on the table to believe something alone or to, to act a different way alone or to attend something alone. The invitation is to come and walk with God. What does that mean? It, it, it means a few things. It means, number one, this morning that I would become, as I'm journeying around the sun, aware of the presence of God, that he is with me. That as I go to work, as I go to school, as I go to work out, as I hang out, that I would be aware of the presence of God. He's with me. Number two, it means that as I go along, that I would have a growing appreciation for the person of God. When we were sharing this message uh, you know, at the camp a couple summers ago, I was talking about this. You know, I don't know where we get this idea, but you know, maybe it's from cartoons we watched growing up. But some of us, you know, we have this idea in our minds that God is some kind of old man walking around with a cane that's hard of hearing up in heaven. So why would I want to walk with somebody like that, right? And that statement or that idea just kind of echoes for us that you know, we don't have the appreciation yet for his person, so it's gaining an awareness of his presence and an appreciation of his person. And when we've got those, it's also gaining an acknowledgement of his position. I mean, he is running the universe. And I'm telling you, if you want, listen, if you want anxiety and stress to go down on your trip around the sun this year, a real good way to bring it down is to walk more closely with Jesus on your journey. You're like, well, why? I just need a roadmap. No, you don't. You need a relationship with Almighty God. And if you walk with God, I promise you're always going to end up in the right place. <laughs> One summer, I had this amazing opportunity to do a tour of the West Coast with some heroes of mine in a company called Youth Specialties. Um, Tick Long, you've got his picture up there, is one of the heroes uh, of mine in, in the youth ministry world. And I, I picked him up from the airport in San Francisco, and we had some time to kill before um, a gathering that we were doing that evening. So we drove around. And I guess he has a lot of history in San Francisco. That's, that's his neighborhood. That's where he grew up. So he, he didn't need a GPS where we were going. I, I had no clue where we were. Um, but we went all over, and we saw things. You know, we saw the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, we went over to where Alcatraz Island was. We saw Fisherman's Wharf. We saw the ferries, and on and on. And, and he was telling me stories about him and Mike Iaconelli, who's one of my favorite authors. Um, he's, he's, they started youth specialties in their garage. And so he's telling me all these stories. And as we were driving by this old warehouse, he says, Tom Hanks, you know Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks did a youth lock-in with us in that building. Did you know that he was a youth ministry volunteer? And, you know, so he starts telling these stories. And I mean, I was just enamored. I was eating it all up. Very cool experience for me. And, and we put a lot of miles on that rental. And we stopped at our gathering for youth specialties that evening. And we got back in that car. And before I knew it, before I even really knew how we did it, we were back at the airport where I had picked him up. Tick long, it seems, can do San Francisco in his sleep. I had no idea where we had gone or how we had gotten there. And here's the truth this morning. God Almighty can do your whole life in his sleep. But you know what? He doesn't sleep. <laughs> 
He doesn't sleep. And so when he's inviting you to become aware of his presence, to have a growing appreciation of his person and an acknowledgement of his position, you want to take up that invitation. And you want to say yes to that invitation. You want to say the one thing that I promised to do this year, the thing that I'm going to move to the top of my list, that's that I'm going to walk with God. And I want to walk more closely with him. And I want to be like Enoch and say yes to the invitation. I want to walk with my father more. I want to know Jesus more. I want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit and what he has for me more this year. So how does that happen? Well, we see Enoch a couple more times in Scripture, and we won't dive into all of them, but he appears in the little book of Jude at the end of the New Testament, and um, it's, it's really a reference point that he was an instrument of God in his lifetime and in the culture in which he lived, and so he was a voice of God, so that's important to know. Um, but then we see in Hebrews chapter 11 something really important about Enoch um, that helps us kind of understand what God wants us to know about this journey. Enoch, you know, came back and in Jude, played a role in his generation, spoke up for God, he spoke for his generation. But then we see a lot of the explanation of all of this in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at verse 5. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Come on, don't you, don't you want that to be said about your life? She was commended. She was commended. The thing people said most about her was she pleased God. But how do you please God? Well, we know from the life of Enoch, you please God if you, if you go back to Genesis 5 by walking with God, by walking with him. We, we, we don't know about Canaan, you know, as we're reading that, uh, that chapter. We don't know about Jared. We don't know about Methuselah. But we do know that Enoch said yes to the invitation to walk with God. We know that Adam Walked the garden with God before the train wreck called sin entered in the garden, right? We know that Noah walked with God. It said that about him in the Old Testament scriptures. And we know Enoch walked with God. What's important this morning is, am I going to be known as someone who walks with God? Are you going to be known as someone who walks with God? I want to break this down to the present. And I want to challenge us to take a step together in, in doing what Enoch did in this next verse. Look what it says about him. He was commended as one who pleased God. But look at the, the next verse. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now he's gonna describe what that faith was. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Can you say that last phrase with me? Earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the faith that we're gonna enter 2021 with. If I put some effort to walk more closely with God, God is gonna reward me with more of himself. It's not gonna be that thing that I've heard dozens of times. Well, I tried and I spent some time with God and I tried to pursue God and I tried to get into a relationship with God that just didn't work. You know, as, as soon as I started walking with God, that, that, that cute boy walked into my life and so I just kind of quit walking with God. My attention went elsewhere. Or I thought my friend was gonna get healed and he didn't, so I just quit walking with God. Or... I thought my life was going great because I'm walking with God, but then life got really hard in 2020, and I'm, so I'm going to bail on this walking with God thing. It just doesn't work. And I say to that, well, how, how long did you hang in there with it? How long were you on that path walking with God? Well, I tried it for a week. Oh, wow. And how long did it take you to get that degree that you're holding on to right now? Well, it took three years and some nights and some weekends and some really late nights, a couple of modules. Ah, so some things in life require earnestly seeking, right? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want you to put that in our mindset. I want us to put in that in our mindset 
for the month of January, even going into February, which is just a little part of our trip around the sun this year. We're in week three of what I'm anticipating. We're gonna be in this series for probably about a total of seven weeks. So what if just for the, for the rest of this series, for starters, we decided to earnestly seek God in two ways. And these are the same two ways two years ago when I was preaching this same message at, at, a, at a summer camp. I gave these two things to our, to our students um, that summer and asked them to do this for a month. And some of you are already doing this. Some of you are already on that track. But here's the two things I wanna say for all of us this morning. Number one, I wanna earnestly seek God in two ways. I wanna seek him in a daily meetup, some daily time with him. And number two, I'm gonna seek him with a deeper dive into his word. Very simple. I, I, number one, to seek him at a daily meetup every day for the next four weeks to start with. And number two, to seek him with a deeper dive into his word. So what is a daily meetup about? I would encourage anyone listening to get in a conversation over the course of the next few days about what your time with God could look like. Maybe, you know, what it does look like, but maybe what it could look like as well. You know, a daily conversation means coming daily to God to say, you're worthy, God, of my praise today. You're worthy of my praise today. What do you have for me, God, today? What is your plan for my life for you today? Would you please speak to me as I open up your word? Would you speak to me? And I get out my travel book and I get out my journal and, you know, he'll speak to me maybe about, you know, would you ask me, would you forgive me for being condescending to my spouse, for, for speaking to her in a way that I shouldn't have? Can you help me to be a better wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend or sibling or a friend? And he'll speak to you and you'll have that conversation. And for you, um, if you're not in his word, it's, it's, it's not always just as simple as, as getting a good Bible, but if, if you need help, ask one of our staff or ask, ask some friends who are already spending some time doing a daily dive into God's word. And I want you to think about and decide how you're going to do that. It's a good thing to, to have a plan. Whether it's a daily devotion, you know, that starts with scripture and you do it every day in the next few weeks. Maybe it's a Bible app, you know, a, a tool like a devotional Bible, but find something that works for you. You're like, and that's where the excuses start coming in, right? Well, I, I work. I don't have time for that. Or, you know, I'm already doing that. Well, congratulations. You're ahead of the curve. That's awesome. So help some of the rest of us along as we start on the curve, right? Or, well, I've done this in the, in the, in the past. Fantastic. You're, you have the opportunity again to start again. Start afresh. Or, well, I've never done this before. Well, what an amazing thought this morning that you could spend every single day the next four weeks setting aside some time of your day to pursue a moment with God, walking with God. How cool is that? How awesome is that? You're like, I wouldn't know where to start. Well, the pastor in me, you know, wants to start into a whole other message, but you've heard enough of me already this morning. So this is the beauty of the church. We need each other, right? You don't have to do this alone. So you've got people, lots of people in this room or in our online community um, that, you've, you've, you, that have made these things a part of their daily rhythm who probably have some wisdom to offer. And so all it, all it means is reaching out. And what I'd recommend to you, no matter what you choose to do when you spend time with God, you can work that out between you and him. But make sure that the word of God is in the mix, that you're, you're, you're reading from the scriptures and spending some time having a conversation with God. Let him speak to you as well. Right, get a plan, tell your connect group or the, the group of people that are close to you what that plan is and then run with it. And I hope it becomes a habit that you don't give up. And then even more than a habit, I pray that it becomes a lifelong journey of walking with your creator God. Tools are at your fingertips. You know, you can get a Bible study, download an app if, you're, if your phone's not a distraction to you and sit down and open it up and grab your travel book, grab your journal. If you need a friend, get a friend, but dive into God's word. Dive into the word of God, not just so you can get information, but so that you can meet the God of the pages of the Bible. Um, if those of you that are gonna play with me at the end, if you wanna come up, you can do that. Um, some of you know that we had the band um, Disciple come and do a show at Destiny in July a couple of summers ago. Um, at the first time I shared this message, uh, we, we were still ex looking with expectation to it because it was before the concert had happened and we were really looking forward to it at that time. And they came and they just, they rocked the house. And, and there were about 40 decisions that night to follow Jesus, which is so amazing and so good. Um, it was so awesome. Any, anyhow, one time as I was flying, this, was, this story is before that concert happened, uh, before, before that event happened. 
One time as I was flying back um, from a convention, I'm, I'm sitting in the airport terminal and I'm reading a pamphlet about disciple on one of the pamphlets from the event that I was just coming from, okay? So I'm reading about Kevin Young. He's the lead singer. And I'm reading about his, his passion for reaching the next generation and for discipleship and such. And there's a band and a, a picture and some great stories. And it's, it's a pretty engaging article. And I, I'm reading it. And I kid you not, I hear somebody next to me um, sitting in the airport terminal say, hey, isn't that Kevin Young, the lead singer of Disciple? I pull the pamphlet down. And I look at the picture and I look across about five paces from me is Kevin Young, the lead singer of Disciple. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I, I, you know, I kind of calmly put the pamphlet back up and, and I look at the picture again, look at him again. Yep, that's him. <laughs> you know, Kevin Young, that's him. Rock star. We, we got on that plane and I, I was in the row sitting exactly right across from him. You know, they have the aisle down the middle. I was in the aisle seat and there he was sitting right next to me. So the whole, you know, plane, the rest of the plane flight, I'm doing the secret, you know, stalker thing. I wonder if I could take a cell phone picture of him, you know, type of thing, which I never did. Um, and, you know, he was, he was right there sitting, sitting next to me. It's, it's, it's just me and a plane full of people and Kevin Young reading about Kevin Young in the, in the convention packet. And God can use a moment like that to kind of crystallize, for me, a powerful, powerful idea. That, you know, God wants us, as we're digging into these pages of his word, and reading in the scriptures, and that we look up and we would recognize that creator and the author of our faith and the one that created and fashioned me for a purpose is sitting right here in the room and he has an invitation and he's calling my name. And he's more than a rock star. He's the God of the universe. And there's an invitation on the table and he's calling my name so I can put down this book and I can actually spend time with him. I can walk with him. I can follow him out these doors of the church building and walk with him as I go into my neighborhood. I can walk with him this week as I get off that plane in Washington, D.C. The place where I'm going to have surgery is 15 minutes from where the inauguration is going to be taking place on that same day. My hotel is about 30 minutes. I, I mapped it all out. <laughs> so I'm thankful that I have a God that is not just in the pages of this book, but I can put the book down and he's there to walk with me. And the invitation is on the table this morning, not just for me, but it's there for you. In the moment that we can come where we would put the pages down and realize that the person that we're reading about is sitting right there in front of us. God's not inviting you to more information. He's inviting you to a relationship with him. And he said, listen to this. This invitation has already been paid for. It's on the table, and I want you to come away with me. So we're gonna close with a song this morning. Some of you will be familiar with it. It's an old Jesus culture song. They had an album uh, a few years ago called Come Away With Me, and this was the title song. And they had written it from the perspective of our Father God singing to us. And so we're going to start with that song, and then we're just going to let him sing over us as we close out this day. And I just want you to tune your ears to listen to your heavenly Father as he sings over you as we close out the service this morning. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you for this service. God, we thank you for this time that we can spend with you. And God, we just open up our ears right now in this time in this space to hear from you. Thank you that you are calling us and that the invitation is right there in front of us to be with you right here and right now. Amen. Speak to us.
commitment to, to have a daily time with you and we're going to dig down into your word and we're going to ask you to speak to us and continue to speak to us as we go into this year and God we know that your purposes and your plans are so much bigger and better than anything that we've got and written in our books and our purposes and our plans so God we step into your purposes and your plans God I pray for clarity I pray for your Holy Spirit Lord to speak so clearly in the ears of your sons and daughters God, there's nothing that we want more to be led, to be spirit-led and directed by the maker and the creator of the cosmos. But you know us by name. You call us by name. You're calling us this morning. So God, we thank you for that invitation. It means the world to us that you've called us. God, we step into that. We step into relationship with you more than anything else this year. God, I want a closer walk with you. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. So the God of the pages of the scriptures that we read from, Lord, you would come out of our living room or our space, our prayer closet, and you'd walk with us right out the doors as we go into our neighborhoods, as we go into our city, as we go into the nations. And we love you. We thank you for your purposes and your plans. And for those of you that are listening that might feel that urge and that call to give your life to Jesus for the first time this morning. That's something to celebrate, and we want to invite you into that this morning. And so I just want to pray this prayer, and I'm, I'm just going to give you the words this morning, but if that's you, I want you to put the heart to it, okay? So if that's you, pray this after me. Father God, I give you my life, all that is within me, to live for your kingdom and for your glory. God, I know that you've come and you walked on this planet, a rescue mission for my life. And so I respond to that this morning and I want to live following in your footsteps, walking alongside of you. That you came to be my rescue. You came and died on the cross. You came and gave your life for mine. And you surrendered your life for mine. So God, today I choose to surrender my life to you. Whether it's for the first time or it's a re-surrender this morning, I give my life to you, the creator of the cosmos and the one who knows my name. I love you, Father. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Come